Happy Mother's Day, mamas. And I just want to add to that and say for all of you mothers who may not have had your own children, but you have been spiritual mothers, I want to honor you tonight because you may not have sacrificed for your own, but you have sacrificed for many. So happy Mother's Day to you too. So I am not preaching a typical Mother's Day message. So here we go. (laughs) Lord, use my mouth, I pray. Amen. Amen. Here we go. So last month, a couple months ago, I was flying home from Phoenix, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and I was in the waiting room. Uh, waiting to, waiting to get on the plane. And as I was sitting there, the spirit of anxiety came over me and I started to panic that I wasn't going to be able to breathe on the airplane. Now, what you need to know is I spent most of my life so claustrophobic that I couldn't go on elevators. There was like a seven year period that I did not go on an elevator because I had anxiety attacks while I was on there, I would literally call out to the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I would pinch perfect strangers, <laughs> honest. I had entire groups of people panicking because I was panicking. It was, I have embarrassed my children more time than, than I want to admit. I'm sorry, boys, for that. And even airplanes, I've run off airplanes But I overcame that fear. And now here I am, and it's trying to come back at me. So I got up, I walked to the window, and I looked up. And I said, Lord, remind me who I am. Remind me who you are. And I just started declaring the truth. And it immediately left. So amen. Praise the Lord for that. So I get on the airplane, we're about 30 minutes until we're going to land, and I'm sitting in the middle, and right across and up one is an older woman, probably around 80 years old. Turns out her daughter is next to her, the stewardess is in front of her, and she is in a full-blown anxiety attack, and she can't breathe. I didn't even think. I crawled over the woman next to me. And I went over and I wrapped my arms around this woman because I knew exactly what she was feeling. And I said, no, not on my watch. And so I began to speak into her and release peace over her. And after about 30 seconds of me loving on her, she fell into my love. She grabbed my hand and she let me hold her. And I continued to just speak into her. And then I looked at her and I said, do you know Jesus Christ? Because he is the prince of peace. And she looked at me and she goes, no, I don't. I said, if you want to know him, you pray this prayer after me. And I just went. (laughs) Oh, and I'll tell you what, she prayed that prayer after me. (laughs) And... The Spirit of God came on both of us. And all of a sudden, for the first time, she went, and she took a deep breath. And slowly, she began to gain her breath back. 
and I stayed with her until they forced me to go back to my seat. And, <laughs> and I didn't see her again until I was standing on the street. Karen was picking me up. And I realized that she was sitting in the car right in front of me. And I just waved to her. And the woman who was driving the car jumped up, ran over, started hugging me and thanking me. And then I got to share the love of God with her. <laughs> and Karen, by that time, had my luggage. She was in the car waiting for me. I'll tell you what, when I got home and I crawled into bed to that night, I was exhausted from a, a long trip, but my heart was shouting, shouting, because I, I felt so in awe of God that he would place me right next to her. He knew. He knew what she needed. And do you know what it felt like to be used by God like that? Overcome with joy. Shouts of joy. The world needs peace. Oh, the world needs God. And we owe the world an encounter with the love of God. We all know the Great Commission. If you've been around church long enough, you know it. Jesus died on a cross. He was buried. On the third day, he came out of that grave. He walked and he talked for 40 days. He appeared to over 500 people. And then he went back to heaven. But before he did, he said, guys, listen. Listen. You need to fulfill your call. You need to fulfill the mission. It's important that if I've already changed your life, then you need to go and you need to tell somebody else about what I've done for you. You need to tell them. You need to go love somebody. You need to go serve somebody. You need to go put hope into somebody. Go and fill them with faith. Make disciples, get them fired up so that they will turn around and do the same thing. He says, go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he said something that is so important. And don't forget, I will be with you every single step of the way. We are in the people business. There is a river that flows from the throne of God. And when we come into the presence of God, that river flows into us. We come to church. I mean, during worship, it's like, it's like we're standing under the waterfall of the river. I mean, sometimes the presence is so heavy, you fall to your knees because you don't know what else to do. Sometimes you fall to your face. And then we get to hear an anointed word from, from the pastors. And then the prayer team is up here. And they pray over us. And they prophesy over us. And we feel loved and encouraged by one another. Whew, the river is just filling us up. And then we go out there and we give it away. We release everything that we have been given. And when we do this, that is the abundant life. That is the cycle of victorious living. We get it in and we give it out. That river comes in, that river goes out. 
And that is the Great Commission. And we're blessed to be a blessing. So I was out walking about a month ago. I shared this with my son, Riley. And I ended up walking by Albertsons, and I didn't uh, have any food in my house, so I thought, you know, I'll just grab a couple things while I'm right here. So I go into the grocery store, and I'm walking down the aisle, and a girl walks by me, about 40 is really cute, and she was dressed so different, and I loved it. So as she walked by, I was like, I love everything about your outfit. <laughs> and she just looked at me, and whenever it is a divine appointment, I feel a physical tug on my heart. And so as soon as I spoke this to her, I felt the tug. So I know when there's a tug, start asking quick questions to open the conversation. So my immediate response was, where did you get those boots? And she said, well, I'm from LA. I said, I knew it. I knew you had a different look than I'm used to. And so we began to talk. Craziest thing, you guys. She ended up, we had like a ton of mutual friends. She is a powerful woman of God. Her and her husband own a production company in, in Los Angeles. They travel the world creating visit videos and documentaries preaching the gospel. And we were both at Bethel at the exact same time. So we're just like uh, going a thousand miles an hour in the aisle. And then she begins to share and they were going through a difficult time in their ministry. And while we were talking, I got a word for her husband. So we got her voice memo out and I gave him this powerful word. And then she gets a word for me. And I was actually going through something really hard at the time. And this woman began to speak right into me. And I got so emotional. And then she told me, she goes, I haven't prophesied in years. And, and I was like, well, that's going to change tonight. <laughs> I said, look what you did to me. And anyway, we, we became Facebook friends and, and out I go. <laughs> I get outside and I was so excited in the grocery store that I didn't remember that I was walking. So I get outside, I've got like seven grocery bags. <laughs> I've got, I mean, I've got heavy things. And I was like, oh no. So I'm all loading them up. And I had to stop about every 10 steps, let them all down, pick them back up. But I was so filled with the joy of the Lord that honestly, I was singing, he is good. Shout it from the mountains, he is good. Tell it in the streets, he is good. And his love endures forever. Our Lord God is good. He's so very good. But you know what's sad? The world doesn't know that he's good. The world, I can tell you, so many people tell me the same things. They've been hurt by church. They've been confused by religion. Or they think that God is actually mad at them. Or disappointed in them. They actually don't know how good he is. We get to tell them the truth, that the, he's not mad at them. He actually loves them so much that God sent his only son to die for them because he loves them. And not only did he suffer 
and shed his perfect blood, but he did it again and again and again. Think about it. First, they beat him, right? And not with just an an everyday whip. This one had little pieces of bone on the tips. And when it would hit his skin, it would take chunks of his flesh out. And then there was a crown with big, thick thorns. I've, to- I've been told that the tip of the, cr- of the thorn was poison. And so then they take that crown and they push it into his skull. And then they spread his arms out. And they get nails and nails his hands to the wood. And then they do the same to his feet. They spread him so thin that he couldn't breathe. He couldn't breathe. So in order to take a breath, he would have to push down on the nail in his feet to be able to breathe. He loves them that much. And if we don't tell him, tell them who will. They think he's mad at them. Are you kidding me? He loves them. He loves us. Did you know that they say only 1% of people share their faith on a regular basis? Can you imagine? So say you were traveling to a faraway land and you came across a people who actually had created a potion That was the cure for cancer. One drop of this potion and the cancer completely was destroyed in your body. And they poured that potion into a bottle and they put a tight lid and they gave it to you. What would you do with that? You have the cure for cancer. I know what I'd be doing. I'd be taking that and giving it to everybody that I know. I would be telling the whole world what I discovered. I want you to know, we have the answer. We carry the We know the way. We know the truth. We know the one who brings life. We know the comforter. We know the healer. We know the lover of our souls. We have the answer. What are we doing with it? Right? What are we doing with it? Did we stuff it in our backpack and forget about it? Did we? Because there is a hurting world that is dying for what you have. And let me tell you something. You do not need to push Jesus on anybody. You need to proclaim him to the world. Right? The world needs to hear about this God that loved them that much. I'm going to share a part of my story that I have never publicly shared. So protect me in this. (laughs) No judgment. So you know I found the Lord when I was 13. Well, actually, he found me. His love rescued me. 
And I was on fire. I was sharing the Lord everywhere I went. I was leading Bible studies at my high school campus at lunch. And then my senior year, I had been deeply, deeply ministered and discipled by my youth pastor. And then deeply wounded and abandoned by him. And during that time, I was lost. And I slowly began to fall away from the Lord. I didn't want to. I didn't mean to. It just happened. And before I knew it, I was graduating from fashion college, living in the fast lane, partying, hanging with people that were not good, going to parties in Beverly Hills, Hollywood, hanging out with the wrong people. And the Lord protected me in that. And after I graduated from fashion college, I went to Europe on a, on a fashion tour. And I'll never forget it. I was in the back of a bus going through the French Riviera. And I started writing God a letter. And I said, Lord, how did I get here? Like, I don't even know how this happened. All I ever wanted was to be a pastor. Like, I wanted to tell the whole world about Jesus. And back then, I didn't know how good he was. And so I said to the Lord, if you still love me, and if you still want me, if you call me back, I will serve you all the days of my life. I met a woman on this trip who was the first person in my entire life that told me I should go to college. I had never had, my family didn't even graduate from high school. I was the only one of my, 10 brothers and sisters, and I was the only one that graduated from high school. Well, two of them graduated in prison, and one of them in a boarding school, but I was the only one in a normal school. (laughs) And nobody ever, we lived in survival. You know, we weren't looking to go do great things. And when I got home from Europe, there was a letter in the mail from Point Loma Nazarene University. Well, Point Loma College back then. And it was a letter accepting me to their school. I knew that this was God calling me back. And within a few weeks, I was packed up and heading to college. I was so scared. I didn't even have clothes for college. I had sweaters with raccoon tails and boots that were purple and red leather with a fan around them. Like, I didn't even own tennis shoes at the time. (laughs) I was that girl. So when I got to the campus, I thought that God was going to be waiting there with open arms and he was just going to take me in and love me up. But that didn't happen. In fact, I couldn't find him. I was searching and searching. I was getting up in the morning and reading my Bible and praying and trying to do all the things that I had been taught to do, but just nothing was happening. And so what I ended up doing, I've never told anybody this is, ha, during the week, I was trying to be that good Christian, but on the weekends, I would go home and go back into the world, go back into drugs, go back into alcohol, go back into the life that I had been living. I was in a raging spiritual battle. And one day, I was sitting in a science class, 
And as I was sitting there, he was talking about the stars. Well, my best friend for my birthday just bought me a star. No joke. She named it after me. You know, I have the plaque, the map, everything. So I was really into this, the stars, because I have one. (laughs) And I'll never forget it. The professor said there are between 100 and 200 billion stars in our galaxy. And I was like, wow, no wonder she bought me one. (laughs) There's probably really cheap. (laughs) But then he said something that blew my mind. He said there are between 100 and 200 billion galaxies in the universe. Wait, what? And as I was sitting there lost in the stars, I heard the voice of God clearly. And he said, Robin, I am the God of the universe. And I am the same God that loves you. I ran out of that classroom. I looked up and I said, you love me. You love me. You love me. Your love is that good. And I said, I will serve you with all of my heart all the days of my life. And I will be like David. I will win your heart. And that day, I was given the potion. The answer. And I have spent my life giving people drops giving people drops, and I have watched the faithfulness of God. We have the answer. He lives inside of us. And his love came and rescued me again. The world needs what we have. Stop for a minute and look around the world. What do you see? Who? What do you see? People panicking over over our economics. People in crisis. People so consumed with fear they can't think straight. People who are medicated and on every kind of drug imaginable trying to get out of pain. Do you know I watched a documentary last night about a man, he was about 40 years old, and such a nice man, but he dresses up like a dog every day, like a big, huge costume type thing, fuzzy, adorable dog. And he goes out and he claims that he's a dog. And and they interviewed him and said, why? And he goes, because everywhere I go, people are nice to me. They come up and they, they talk to me. They even invite me over. And the man says, but do you ever actually go to their house? He's like, well, no, that would never actually happen. But they're nice to me. He goes home and he eats dog food. Look at what is happening to our identities. Oh, I know that you have people in your life that you are watching and you're just going, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. We need you, God. We need you, God. But guess what? We have him. We have him. 
every single one of us have him. We have the answer. Now is the time to tell the world about Jesus. If it has ever been the time, it is now. Amen? Amen. We get to fulfill the calling on our life. We get to fulfill the mission. We get to, but first, we have to face our fears. It is scary to share the gospel. It is. It is scary because we are afraid of being rejected. And let me just give you just a little bit of input. You will be. (laughs) So you just accept that. I get rejected a lot. I don't care anymore, but there was a day that I cared, and it was hard. I got rejected in front of a group of people one time. Man, they shut me down, and it was just, it was humiliating. But I had to walk away and say, do I care more about the approval of God or man? And the truth is, is we should love the ones that don't know Christ more than we love our own lives. Right? And we also have to face the fear that we don't have what it takes. You don't feel smart enough. You don't feel like you know the word of God enough. You don't feel holy enough. You don't feel like you have what it takes to go out and share the gospel. You don't. But remember what he said. I will be with you Every single step of the way. And if you think about it, if you read in Acts 4, the disciples were scared, right? And they prayed. They asked the Lord, give us boldness. We need it. Think about Moses. You know, Moses, he knew his limitations. He knew what he couldn't do. And he went to the Lord and goes, no, no, no. I can't use this mouth. I can't communicate. To lead all these people? No way. Not going to happen. And God said, Moses, Just go. Just take the step. I'll take care of your mouth. And I'll teach you what to say. Right? Right? God was faithful to the disciples. Look what they did. And God was faithful to Moses. And so God will be faithful to you too. And he'll be with you. And worst case, just do it afraid. (laughs) But let me take some pressure off. Not everybody is called to be an evangelist. We're all called to preach the gospel. But I'm an evangelist, so you will never do the way I do it. And there's a lot of evangelists out here. Where's Tom Lopak? Is he here tonight? Come on, let's give Tom, let's, let's clap for Tom Lopak. That man is always out there preaching the gospel. But listen, you only have to do what God has called you to do and what he has equipped you to do. We are actually, we are in the people business, but we are, some are gardeners and some are harvesters. Some of us are just meant to plant seeds, right? And some of us are meant to come and water the seeds. And some of us are meant to put a little fertilizer On the seeds, and then there are those of us who are called to come in and harvest, come in and close the sale, lead them to Jesus, (laughs) right? And listen, every time you share the Lord, you're not going to lead them to Jesus. I probably sell the Lord with 50 people before I ever have somebody that I actually lead to Christ, right? But every time we introduce them to love, 
Love takes them one step closer to God. Amen? Our goal is to just introduce them to love over and over. And when people feel loved, they want to know what you have to say. So when I was in ministry school, once a month for a while, we went to San Francisco and we would preach the gospel on the streets in San Francisco. We're going to have a few pictures of that. And anyway, we used to just go and hardcore preach the gospel. But this night, we decided to make signs that said free hugs, free encouraging words. And I will tell you that I could not believe the people who were lined up wanting to be hugged. Wanting to have encouraging words. And it was incredible because we would just hold them. And then they wanted to know more. We led more people to Christ that night than probably any night of just preaching the gospel. Because love wins. Because this is a world that is craving the love of God. Right? There would be... Homeless people, men in business suits, women dressed up for dinner. It was everybody were were in our line waiting to be held. The world is desperate for love. And we carry him. It is time to love the world. And God has good news for you. He sets up divine appointments most days for you. He sets them up. Your part is to be aware. I can tell you this. If I'm on my cell phone, if I'm going from appointment to appointment to appointment, nothing happens. I have to be looking before I see the divine appointments. Do you know what happens for me when I'm out walking? When I'm at the grocery store? When I'm at the mall? When I'm not in a hurry and my face is not in my phone? They are in front of us, but we have to look for them. So then you have to, when you get these divine appointments, then you have to create conversations, not confrontations. Some people think that you have to like go in hardcore. No, you just create conversations. We're looking to love, not to win. And then you just ask the opening questions. You always just find an opener. And then the more you do it, the better you get at it. And so once you open them up, then you keep asking questions. People will tell you so much. That woman in, the, in Albertsons, within a three-minute period, I knew so much about her life. Like seriously, I knew about her marriage. She has a powerful testimony about her marriage. Because people need to share. And so if we will just give them an opportunity and have a compassionate heart and truly listen, we don't just ask questions and wait for our opportunity to then dive in and share what we want to share. We actually listen to what they have to say. And when you do that, that's when God starts downloading stuff and he gives you wisdom and you just kind of know where to go. But it starts with asking questions. Everyone is carrying some kind of burden, even if you can't see it, even if they're so put together that you don't know it. Everybody has something heavy. And when you let them talk, 
that comes out. And that's when you get an in to begin to minister to them. And our stories are so important. You know, I have to be honest with you. I don't share a lot of scriptures when, when I'm witnessing. I mean, if one comes to my mind, I do. But mostly, I am listening with my whole heart. And then I'm, I'll even, when they tell me something, I'll even say, tell me more about that. Help me understand this. Right? And, and they can tell that I really want to know who they are. And then it opens up and I start to share my own stories. And, and share what God has done in my life. And the stories do not have to be big, explosive stories. Because God can take our little tiny stories and he comes along and he, he puts his anointing on it. And that little tiny story goes in and transforms people's lives. But we have to tell them. We have to tell them. Our stories are important. So when we walk away from somebody, the question is that we ask ourselves, did the other person leave feeling loved? Did they leave feeling encouraged? Okay, I have a story. Last summer, I was out walking. It was a Tuesday morning. I left early because we have staff meeting early. So I was out hustling away, lost track of time, looked at my watch and realized I'm going to be late for work. So I start hustling back. I'm not a runner, so I'm not going to run, but I'm going to walk fast. So I'm walking fast. And all of a sudden, this very sophisticated older woman comes and she's walking on the other side of the street. She passes me. And as she does, I feel that tug. But I said to the Lord, I can't. Like, I'm going to be late for work. And you know, Johnny, no, I'm joking. <laughs> you can't be late. No, I'm totally joking. And, and so I just kept going, but I started praying for her and I felt her pain. And so I was interceding, walking as fast as I could. I got almost to my street and she's so far, I can't even see her. And that tug, it won't stop. And I turned around. I was like, no. He goes, run. <laughs> I'm like, oh, here we go. So I run as fast as I can. By the time I get to her, I'm out of breath. And I said, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't want to frighten you. And I said, but when you walked by me, I said, I felt your pain. And I felt like you're carrying a heavy burden right now. She looked at me and she goes, when I walked by you, I was crying out to God. And all of a sudden, she starts to take her blouse off. And I'm standing there, like, not sure what to do. And she takes it off. And she had a bandage all around her breast. She had just had a mastectomy, and it didn't go well. And she had a hole in one of her breasts that would not heal and I, I said, can I pray for you? And I laid my hands on that woman. And I'm telling you, with every bit of faith that I had, I began to pray over her. And at the end, I was like, amen. And she looked up and she looked at me and she was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> and she hugged me. And I said, I love you too. And I said, well, I got to go. I'm going to be late for work. But the Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And man, I tell you what. I did run home. I had so much energy. I was shouting. 
He is good. Shout it from the mountains. He is good. Tell it in the streets. Our God is good. His love endures forever. And the world needs to know this love. Do you hear that? You carry the love that endures forever. You must give it away. So when you've loved, you've listened, you've shared, and now you trust God. You don't always have to get their phone number and get them a Bible. I used to think I had to. Yes, if the Lord tells you to. Yes, if it's the right opportunity. But the most important thing is they need to know that this God, this love is connected and they have access to it. After all, only God can save. It is not our words. It is not all the scriptures we quote. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, we will not do well. Unless we remember, he says, I am with you. Go, go tell them what I've done for you. Go make disciples, get them filled with faith and fired up so that they will go and do the same thing. Go baptize them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And don't forget I will be with you. You're not doing it on your own. He's doing it through your obedience. Just like he said to Moses, you just take a step and he'll come and put the wind behind you. You say the first word and then all the other words just somehow miraculously come out of your mouth. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist. He brings conviction. He points people to Jesus. He opens blind eyes. He opens the eyes of our heart. And he tells us things about other people. I was walking, I wasn't gonna share this, but I'm gonna share it. I was walking down the road night before Easter, beautiful night, first beautiful night, and I'm walking, these two teenage boys are walking next to me. And, and of course, I'm gonna start asking them questions. No accidents. So I started asking him questions, and sure enough, the one boy was from, adopted from Vietnam. He had a horrible uh, defect on his face. The other boy was um, just a real confident boy. Anyway, I start asking him more questions and more questions, and pretty soon, I feel it. I know what's about to happen, and God gives me a word. I give the first confident boy his word, and he's like, okay, cool. I give this other boy his word and he melts like butter. And I said, do you want to know this, Jesus? Yes. I looked at the other boy and said, you want to? And he goes, well. I go, well, did I know? Could I have known what I told you about you? <laughs> he goes, no. And I go, well, then don't miss it if the God of the universe is speaking to you. <laughs> and he goes... <laughs> okay and, and so they both walking down the street gave their life to Jesus Christ right there but that 
would not have happened if the Lord had not given me prophetic words about them. Because I told them things that I can't know. So the power of the Holy Spirit is what we partner with. He does the hard part. We just kind of do the easy part. God has given all of us seeds. Seeds to plant in the life of other people. Let me just see if I skipped anything. I felt like I did, but whatever. Seeds. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I don't leave this earth and get to heaven and still have my basket of seeds. I don't want to miss the boat. If we don't evangelize now, when we get to heaven, it's over. It's too late. And all those divine appointments that were brought along our pathway, will they be there? As a church, I want us to give out every single seed. I want us to remember what we're carrying. And I want us to offer it to every person that God tells us to. We don't want to miss the boat. So last week, we were sent a message via voicemail at the church. And it, I was on vacation at the time, and I listened to that. Oh, it blessed me so deep, so I want to share it with you. Let me start by telling you, there were two or three Riverhouse women that were out in the community loving on the world. Listen. to whoever takes the messages for Riverhouse Church. I just wanted to let you know that you are loving outside of your church walls. Um, I was just blessed to have my windshield washed at the Fred Meyer um, gas station by some lovely women from your church. And I just really wanted to commend you for um, the pastoring that you're doing that enables your members to love so great big outside of the church walls. Um, One of the girls actually spoke a very special message from Jesus right into my heart, just full of admonition and truth. And I just wanted to thank you guys for the wonderful job you're doing. Um, And uh, just thank you for loving up the world so great big. I am totally touched by what I saw Jesus's hands and feet and mouth. That was three women. What would this valley look like if every single one of you teens, every single one in this church, young adults, what kind of messages would we be getting if the whole church was out loving the world? 
What would happen to this valley? What would happen to this church? Because you see, God is a win-win God. When we go and share, when we get the river, and when we give it away, they get blessed, and so do we. Do you know that when you're out regularly sharing Christ with the world and loving them up, that it brings life to your inner man? Did you know in the winters when I'm struggling because I don't like the weather, I will go to the mall and I will walk the mall. I will get myself a drink and find a little place to sit down and say, go ahead and bring them, Lord. (laughs) Just bring them. And he never fails. I always find somebody. And listen, I'm not doing it for them in that moment. I'm doing it for me. Because we were created to love, to be loved, and to love. And if you're doing that, you're living in a cycle of victorious living. That is the abundant life. And everybody always says, well, why isn't my life abundant? Let me tell you why it isn't. Because you're not sharing the love of God like you're called to do. The world is desperate for love. And if we don't tell them, who will? Who will? Now is the time. We are the chosen. It's time to leave this building. Put your cell phones away. Open your eyes and say, Lord, bring them. Bring them. Go to the park and sit on a bench. Go to a coffee shop. Everywhere you go, she's waiting for you to tell her about Jesus. He's waiting for you. God needs us. To remember the call and to complete the mission. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Lord, what have you called me to do? And now ask him, how do you want me to do that? And now I want you, if you mean it, I want you to make a commitment to him that you will be obedient. You will not do what you are not equipped to, but you will do what you have been asked and what you have been equipped to do.
choose this day to go out and give your potion to the world. Choose this day to love people who don't know Jesus more than you love yourself. We must choose it. We must commit to it. And we must do it. And if there is anybody in this room who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward if you want to know him. If you want to know this one who loved you so much that he gave his life for you. If you don't know him, come forward now. And we'll have our prayer team pray with you. So let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this message. Lord, because this message wasn't my message. This message was yours. This message was for your people. Your message was for the people that you love and that you trust. And so God, I pray for that boldness. I pray for the courage to go where you ask us to go. To speak to the ones that you bring in front of us, God. To love the ones in front of us. I ask you to baptize us with the, with the power of your love. Help us to love your world, God, more than we love our own. And put a desire in us, Lord, to give away every single one of our seeds. Lord, let us be willing to do our part. And then we will trust you to do the rest. Thank you, God, for saving us, for calling us by name, for transforming our lives with your love, for rescuing us, God, for filling our lives with such good things. Blessed to be a blessing. I thank you, Father, for what's happening deep in people's hearts right now. I know that you're moving. I know that you're opening hearts. I know that you're giving plans and strategies and courage and boldness. Because whenever we ask, you hear us and you listen and you answer. So I thank you for being a faithful God. I pray you bless these beautiful people and especially every single mother in this room. And I pray this in faith, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The prayer team can come up, and if anybody wants to be prayed for, come on up.